Hey everybody, welcome to Above Board with Canderpass. I am super excited about this episode from a personal level because I get to interview one of my very favorite humans that I've never actually met in my life. So we are missing one of our partners today. The world-renowned John F. Kennedy is taking care of a sick child, so hopefully all is well. That is why he's not here. He's not here. He's not here. I speak English most of the time, sometimes not so well. Um, but I do have my buddy, Matt Marco at Marco. <laughs> Rich, they're 0 for 2 with these, buddy. You know what? Rich is not doing our intros anymore. Here, let me do it. The prez is out. The president is not here today. You got the vice president and you got the Rich B who's still in English 101 trying to get, get those words out, buddy. Come on. You can do this. You got it. Namaste. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm excited that we have as our guest today, Mark Tappan, well known to a lot of people on social media because of his beautiful dog, Mattis, Mark and Mattis, uh, the canine dog. So we're so excited. You guys might be following him on TikTok. You might be following him on Instagram. You might be following him around his neighborhood, which would be kind of weird because that's not cool. But um, if you're not following him, you should be. I'm going to do a little quick intro. Mark is an amazing guy. Mark, you're a Marine, if I'm not mistaken. Once a Marine, always a Marine, correct? Uh, law enforcement officer, a reality TV star, Right, America's top dog with the world famous Mattis, and also now a published author. So I'm just going to shout out right at the top this children's book, My Dog Mattis, which is amazing. If you have a kid, get this book for them. The only thing I would say is that the art in the book is amazing because they make Mark look super buff. You look like a superhero in this thing. <laughs> but I absolutely love this book. So we have we have purchased several of these that we're going to be donating to our kids' school. I'm going to be giving one to uh, Mark's boys, uh, so Matthew's boys. So we're <laughs> super excited about that. So congratulations. <laughs> What's wrong with me today? Congratulations on that. So I, I wanted to start off with a quote uh, uh, from Simon Sinek. Have you ever heard of him, Mark? I sure have. He's really cool. I love this quote. Authenticity is when you say and do things you actually believe. Hmm. I'm going to sip from my German shepherd mug right now. Oh, you can't, you can't kiss up to him that early, Rich. <laughs> you have a Doberman in your background. I see I see Vader <laughs> and you can hear Vader. I do have a Doberman question for you. But Mark, you right out of the gate, I just wanted to ask you this. You know, you're one of, if not the most authentic person I've come across on social media. You are just who you are. Um, we have a mutual friend, our friend Justina, who's like a sister to both of us. And you just you you come across as as who you are. You've been on social media for a while. You have millions of followers at this point. Um, what does authenticity mean to you? I, and, and beyond just social media, just as a person, but I, I think in social media, it's so important. Um, how important is that to you, authenticity? Well, it's it, to me, it's primary. And I'm like, I love that you actually let off with that. Um, I think we've gotten to a place in society with so much online interaction that we're missing the authentic people, right? We're missing the the compassion for one another because we put these uh, personas up on social media that might be a facade to some extent, um, the best of our lives. And then everyone's competing for the best of our, our lives um, when in reality, that's not who we are. And then you have people that just want to tear you down. And so social media and media in general and kind of the world as it is today, as I see it, 
Um, I think the problem is, is we're removed. We have these keyboards or these devices that we're not talking face to face with people and we're missing the heart of who people are. And that's why I was very intentional when I started my page. I saw, you mentioned my dog, Mattis, right? This incredible bridge that dogs create into people's lives where they see that you you care about something. And so they want to know more about you. Um, so one of my goals was not just to show the good, but to, to show the real. So I think it's primary on everything that I do that I'm authentic. I think it's, I think it's super important. And I mean, you know, you guys, especially, you know, hitting kind of the media with America's top dog, um, which was amazing. That episode, if anybody hasn't seen it, just, I, I just go to YouTube and put in Mattis, M-A-T-T-I-S, America's top dog. It is probably, so my kids are addicted to the show. It's probably and I'm not just saying this because it's you. I honestly am not. It's probably <laughs> one of the most emotional episodes I've ever seen. And I'm not going to do a spoiler for as to Rich, why Rich it is. Rich is a crier. So we got to be very careful here to <laughs> I, not send him I off am. to the edge or else it's it. – can, can, I, can I jump in for a quick second here? So a uh, very serious, important question. Um, who is a better partner, um, your, uh, a dog, uh, a well-trained dog or human being? Um, it, be careful how you answer this because I know right now Mattis is retired. So <laughs> I know you're without a, a dog right now. You got to tell me who's, who's a better partner. Well, we ride solo where I work. So, um, having a dog is incredible and, and it really is. It's, um, I, I used to, I don't know if look down is the right word, but I would see weakness in people that had like therapy dogs. And then I realized when he retired that that's exactly what he was for me this entire time um is i always had a best friend in the car with me and he would listen to my gripes he would listen to my victories uh he would put his head on my shoulder he was always there and it was i i love i, I love dogs so much so i think it it was the best job in the world it still is. I, I wish I could go back a little bit. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, but I don't think you can compare a dog. <laughs> if my wife's listening, it's not like a different kind of partnership. So just a quick follow-up then. But how do you the best. how do you feel letting that dog go into danger? And the reason why I say that is we recently here in Central Florida, um, in, in Volusia County, we had mm -hmm. um, an incident occur last week or two weeks ago. It was fairly recent. Um, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what the incident was, but the dogs went in after the suspects. The suspects uh, shot both dogs. Um, you know, one was in the face, one was in the paws. Mm. And so I actually watched the um, the Axiom video of it, and I, I got chills watching it, you know, knowing that this partner is going to go somewhere you can't see. And in this case, he, he they were shot. They're, they're thankfully fine. Um, and, and the dogs couldn't believe it. Shook it off, jumped into the car. They rushed to the emergency area. But I just thought... Is it that, is it, it's going to be so difficult to say, go get them, even though I know it's a well-trained animal and you're well-trained, how, how difficult is it to do that, to say, all right, go. And you hope that they're going to come back. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly difficult. And I've, I've had an instance, uh, not to that extent, but where Mattis actually injured himself in the line of duty. Um, and I remember the guilt that I felt, especially when I wasn't sure if he was going to, and that's kind of what the children's book is about, not necessarily the guilt, but kind of the, the triumph that came through that, that whole episode that we, we had. Um, but it, I always thought of it as, yeah, they're a tool. Um, yes, they can save human lives, 
but he is my partner and he's what we consider in the police world, something called less lethal force, right? That the worst he can do to you is put teeth on you. Um, and he's trained to put teeth on you in a place where it's not gonna, it's not gonna necessarily cause long-term damage. Um, so if he goes, we always are supposed to have lethal cover, right? So it, it, like if you pull a taser, then you're supposed to have someone in case they escalate that we can still be in control of the situation. And so that was always my philosophy is if he goes, I go. Um, and, and tactically, like I take criticism with that, but it's like he meant so much to me as my partner um, that I was going to make sure I wasn't going to send him into a situation that he couldn't win. Yeah. And it, by the way, it's really good that you did not decide to write a children's book about the guilt you felt about your dog falling <laughs> three stories. But the fall the fall was significant. It was like a three-story fall. And I've actually watched your video explaining and showing. It was like a bridge, if I remember correctly, sort of. It looked like a kind of a bridge. And he still or, got like, the suspects. I mean, it wasn't like he just flew in there. He actually got the job done through – he wasn't thinking of himself at that at that moment. Right. Yeah. And that's where, the, so if you, if I'm being honest, that's where the guild came in was he wasn't on like a go get him command. He was on a run with me command. Um, and we kind of cut off the guy and he jumped off. It was a, a retaining wall that we had and it places it's only like 10 feet high. And that's kind of what I thought. I thought it was going to be a hard fall, but it was into some like leaves and stuff. But I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, if I, if I have to, I was hoping the guy was going to stop. He jumps over the wall and then I go to jump and I see that he's still falling. And that's where I catch myself and I, I'll never forget the image of Mattis frozen in the air. And he has determination in his eyes typically. And that was the first time I saw fear. And uh, that was, I'll never forget it. And he did, like you said, Matt was, he landed on that guy. We caught that guy. I went down and checked him. I found a way to get down there. It took me a while. Um, I checked Mattis just to see if he had any structural damage or sensitivity. He seemed like he was fine. And then we caught up to the other guy and got in foot chase, passed by everyone else. The guy saw Mattis and he gave up and then Mattis collapsed. Well, so. you know, it, it's no, it's probably no coincidence that you, you named your dog. I always assumed this. I never asked you, but I went and looked it up. You named your dog after General Jim Mad Dog Mattis, if I'm not mistaken, being a Marine. So that's probably why. Correct. So it sounds like he's got the same kind of determination that kind of like, you don't mess with, with, with Mad Dog Mattis. I mean, for sure. You know, <laughs> It's it's really it's really interesting. You've you know our audience, the people that listen to our podcast, are a mix of folks. You know, certainly we have people that follow me on social media, um, but a lot of people are entrepreneurs, business people. What I really love about your story, Mark, is is how diverse it is. You know, you're you you're a marine, you're a law enforcement officer, you're a canine officer, reality TV, social media influencer. And uh, is that is one of the puppies back there? I thought I heard a puppy. Yeah, I got they're whining because they want me to play with them so bad. You can show them. And, <laughs> and, and now, ask and, the question, Rich, and, so he can go play with the dogs. That's right. And and now being <laughs> and now being an author, you know, is this something that you envisioned for yourself? Because there's never anything wrong with being a nurse or being a teacher or being a secretary or being a financial planner or being a physician or being a police officer. But it's it's really cool. It, it's probably very inspirational to people to see somebody like you who's done all these different things. Did you, did you see this for yourself? Like, was this something you envisioned or did you just like, Oh, just some lucky guy that stumbled into some cool stuff, which I don't believe, <laughs> but. Well, no, so not this, like it wasn't, this wasn't where, like all the things that you mentioned, not necessarily this, 
getting here to where I am now, like you said, reality, which just like was sprung upon me and in social media, who could have anticipated that? Um, uh, police officer. My, so here's my goal is there's a, a quote and it's driven me. It's one of the most impactful things I've ever heard. And it's Eric Little, who was, um, uh, if you remember Chariots of Fire, uh, you've seen that movie, but he says, he, he, one of the things he says, he says, when I run, I can feel his glory, right? I can, I can feel his, his pleasure. I think it is, is what he says. And he's talking about God that he, when he runs and he's fast, he says, God made me fast. And when I run, I can feel his pleasure. And to me, that was like, we were made like each of us, whatever your thoughts are on, on how we got here or whatever, but we all have unique abilities and, uh, to, to squander those away is such a waste. And so that's what I wanted to do is what I, I wanted to take what I have always, um, and whatever I do and, and do it to the best of my ability, right. It's just to, to be the best possible me that I can be, because that's what I believe I was made do you, for. Do you- do and you so, have like a do you have a daily routine? Do you have something that you do on a daily basis or weekly basis, whether it's meditation or prayer or you know uh, in, inspirational quotes or whatever? Is there something that you do every day to kind of still yourself because especially you have a dangerous job, so you know you have to be clear of mind. Do you have any habits, any any rituals that you do that other people could learn from? Yeah, well, and to me, it's my faith. Um, that's and I was thinking about this the other day is just if you look at like leadership books and stuff like that, which I love to read leadership books. I love Simon Sinek. I love uh, Maxwell. I love Jocko. I like all these different people to, to hopefully become a better me. But really, I've been in leadership development since I, I gave my left life to Jesus. It's like every week, every day I'm, I'm in prayer. I'm trying to figure out how to be the best possible creation that I can be so that I reflect Jesus's glory. Like that's my goal in life. And it does. It gives you peace. Um, that when I go into to work is that I know I was created for a purpose and no matter what happens, um, I'm okay. So, well, what I, what I love about that is it kind of leads into the question I wanted to ask you, which I kind of think it's kind of like, I'm a dad. So I rarely ask questions. I don't think I know the answer to, but, um, what led you to want to be a police officer? If you had to say your why in a, in a, in a very short, just kind of, this is why I wanted to be a police officer. Why? (laughs) I don't do short well, except for in my height. But uh, no, you can uh, you can do it long. You can do a long soliloquy. Okay. It's okay. But this I must mean, be a ball headed thing because both you guys. We, if I don't, you know, I got to keep you on point here, fellas. The guy with the hair needs to keep you two on check. We're That's we're right. good. That's right. Go ahead. Okay, let me let me get there. Um, I always had a strong sense of justice. Right? Is I I can I, I once again it kind of goes back to I feel like I was created for a purpose. Um, and I have this background, like I grew up doing martial arts, um, and was pretty successful in that. And then was a Marine and then was in ministry. So I think all these things kind of came together and it's like, well, I have these abilities to be able to help people, right? It, not just the fighting that the Marine Corps and martial arts might've taught me, but more importantly, the compassion and things that ministry taught me. And I feel like that just set me up to do what my personality already was set for, which was I don't like to be I don't like to see people mis, mistreated. I don't like to see injustice. Um, I, I'm a altruist when it comes to 
uh, right and wrong. You know, I, I want the absolute best. Um, huge patriot. So it's like, what can I do to serve my community? And these are the gifts that I have. So let's use these gifts to the best of my ability. And so that to me, it was like, well, law enforcement, that's what I have to do, right? It's because I, I get to meet people in their worst times and hopefully bring a peace. Well, you know, it's interesting because I asked Matt the same question and Matt's a financial planner. Um, I asked Matt, why did you want to be a financial planner? And Matt, your answer was to make money. I just want to make money. I don't care about anybody. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, uh, it, it was on our last podcast. So you can look that up. I believe it was our last one, but no, it, it was the same exact. It was, it was very much what Mark just stated. It was to help people, except we just all have different talents. Um, I'm not built like you two. I'm, uh, you know, six, six, two, uh, buck 80. Um, a suspect would run me over in a heartbeat, uh, although I am a great patriot and, and want to help people. That wasn't what my what my journey was. It was finding my gift, which was in the area of finance, was taking the complex and making it simple because we work with a lot of teachers, a lot of firefighters, a lot of police officers. I can't imagine the the steps you guys need to go through to get to your training and how you deal with things on a daily basis. And what we find is a lot of people come to us and say, Matt, I don't understand finance. I don't understand how to budget or how the stock market works. And so I feel like my gift back is helping people in that area. Something next to their health and their faith is probably third on the list is, okay, how do I make sure that I have a healthy, comfortable retirement? How do I get out of these issues? So I find that's what gets me up in the morning um, is, is being able to give people a sense of, of comfort and well-being and let them know that someone is watching these very complex things occurring on a daily basis and you don't have to. You go do what you do well and let me do what I do well. And and it's interesting because I'm a nurse. And and the reason why if people say to me, you know, and I've been a nurse 30 years now, um, and I've also written, you know, a few books, Mark, so I, I can appreciate that journey. And for me, I became a nurse because I wanted to help people. I became a nurse because at 22, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and passed away when I was just turned 23. And I, I went into nursing because I wanted to help people. And it's so interesting that... When I talk to a lot of people that are successful in various fields, in various endeavors, every single one of them, every single one that I've met who are truly successful, I'm not talking about people that are wealthy because wealthy is a form of success, but it is not the only measure of success. Yes. When I talk to people who are successful, every single one of them knows their why. W-H-Y. They know their why. I became a teacher because I became a, a police officer. I became a nurse or a physician or a, a, a manager at Home Depot. It doesn't matter because I wanted to help people or make a difference. I, I'm not surprised by your answer, but I do want to bring up something that I think is, is probably you're probably somewhat of an expert in this. And I know that I'm becoming one in a, in a much you know lesser level, but you know, I believe social media, Mark, and you might've kind of hinted at this. Social media is kind of a mirror of our society, right? It's the good, the bad, and the ugly kind of magnified. People are very brave. I call them thumb warriors because mm -hmm. you know they sit on their little phones and they make their little comments, but they probably wouldn't say it to most people's faces. You have to deal with, you, you get amazing, amazing, positive, wonderful things on social media. But every once in a while, there's that breakthrough of those kind of really hateful or jealous or not kind people. Most people listening to this don't have thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of followers on social media. However, they do go to work or school or in their family 
and have to deal with negativity or criticism or unfair judgment. How do you deal with that? Because you do get some and, and it's, it's out of, you know, it's just from people who probably, I, I, I talk, I could talk about how I deal with it, but how do you, how do you, how do you take it, especially as a person of faith? How do you take it as a, as a grown up? And what do you do with it? How do you kind of filter it and deal with that kind of negativity in your life in a way that people could learn from in their own world? Yeah. So the first, the first thing I think I always try to do, and th- this could be hard, right? Is there's really three ways that I, that I'll deal with it. Um, the, the first way is the absolute hardest, especially knowing um, that there's some just, it's, 12 year old kids out there, maybe trying to antagonize someone and that's it. Right. Um, but the first one is I try to be introspective and, and think to myself, do they have a point? Right. Am I missing something? So be like being real with myself and saying, okay, am I blind? Is there a blind spot that I'm missing? Um, after that, the only other two responses that I have is either to ignore it. Right. And that comes when I just think it's someone that's just trying to push buttons. So just ignore it. The last way, and I think this is the most helpful, is um, love, right? Respond in love. And that's, and this is what I don't think we do as a society very well, is we are quick to to get angry because you don't see it the same way that I see it. And what you might not consider is that people have different perspectives, different worldviews, and they're raised in different situations. They might be going through, through something that's awful in their life. Um, that has changed the way that they see a situation. So it's having compassion enough rather than to attack their viewpoint is to understand where they're coming from. And so that's, this is a, like I said, this is the way that I do it. And some people, I just, I've come to the realization that I'm probably not going to change someone's idea or viewpoint from a TikTok post or Facebook post or an Instagram post. I will change it if I build a relationship with that person. I learn who they are, where they come from, and I start serving in their life. Give them something of value so that they see who I am. So those are the ways that I I, I deal with it. I I kind of and I don't I've seen how you respond. I I don't know if maybe you've seen the way that I respond. I I respond from the perspective that if somebody's going to write in a post, "Hey old man, I hope you die." Or, you know, some over the top thing. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's kids. And, and then I think to myself, because I have kids ranging from 23 down to seven, I'm grateful to know that none of my kids would ever say anything like that to anybody. But I think to myself, having been brought up in a very troubled environment, coming from a very bad neighborhood, having been brutally bullied, having come from, you know, neglect and abuse and all that stuff as a child that somebody, a child has to be in a really dark place to say something like that or to do something like that. Now, when you switch to the adults, it's the same thing. And I have this rule that when I respond on social media to negative comments, I never highlight the person's name. I never say who they are. I change things around and I do it in a humorous way. Like somebody one time said, I hope you die. And I responded with like my funny way. I go, I hope I die too. Cause if not, I'd be a vampire. Oh wait, that's cool. <laughs> like I just like try to make a yeah. joke of it, but I've already deleted that comment and blocked that person because a lot of times I've learned just like you have, you know, that famous, you know, saying, you really changed my entire political view with your Facebook post said no one ever. <laughs> like it's just not going right. to happen. So, right. so I, I agree with that. And I think having that compassion. And so what I do is I'm also a person of faith 
is I pray for them. I do. I just close my eyes and I say, user 14734 who hopes that my house burns down. I hope you're having a better day. God blesses you today with some love. Because I tried. I did at the beginning. I tried to say, hey, love you, man. I hope you're having a better day. And they just tripled down on the hate. And I realized some of them just want to get famous because if you or I come back at them with the little blue checks that we have big deal, we're not impressed with it, but then they're going to blow that up. And it, it's just, it's worthless. It does nothing but perpetuate. And then I don't know if you see this, but there are some people on social media that do come back at the person. And then what ends up happening? They're that big social media influencers. I call them their minions all just flood and go after that person. And then we have even more hate, which mm -hmm. what's the point? Right. You know? Yeah. I had, I, I made a video that was kind of responding to a, a little bit of criticism about my dogs, but I didn't want necessarily to bring the other person who, who was criticizing me into it. So I didn't mention their name. I didn't, it was one of those that I didn't want them to receive any, any kind of negative feedback from what it was just like, someone thinks that I abuse my dogs. Right. And so because of that, I just want to show you like, this is why they act the way that they act. Um, Meanwhile, you and, probably spend more. You probably spend more money on your dogs <laughs> than you do on anybody else in your family. <laughs> yeah, I I love these guys a lot. But anyway, it was just one of those. But I didn't I didn't want him to receive the negative like you're talking about because we do have a lot of followers and people that will stick up for us and fight for us and all this other stuff. But the person they just wanted they wanted acknowledgement. He's like, I don't know why you didn't tag me in this. It was like. I didn't even say anything bad about the person. I just said, I'm, let me show you my dogs. Right. And that's it. So I didn't even say, I don't abuse my dog. Like as a contrarian or a response or a negative towards what he said, it was just like, this is why they do what they do. Um, and I didn't say anything bad, but he wanted the attention. It was more of a clout type it, thing. It is a hundred percent that. And sometimes when I, when I get that kind of hate on social media, I know that it's either a, the person is troubled. So why am I going to add to that? B, they want to get a little more famous. They want some attention mm -hmm. and, you know, to the troubled point, you know, I, I thought to myself for somebody to truly come at you in a hateful way and, and we're take this off of social media, even in life, um, if I come back at them or if, if let's say a, a friend, you know, says something really horrible to me and then I tell all my friends what they said and now all my friends start going after them. If that person is hanging on by a string, not to be morbid, yeah. but that might be what that person needs to hear to make some really horrible decision. They might hurt themselves. They might, they might take their own life. I don't want to be responsible for that. And when I see these big influencers sending their armies intentionally or unintentionally, well, I didn't, I didn't tell mm -hmm. anybody to go after them, but dude, if you're highlighting the person's name, that's what's going to happen because everyone wants to mm -hmm. protect you. So I really appreciate your, your, your thoughts on that because I think that it sets a good example. You know, a lot of people always say, you know, I want to get famous on social media. It, <laughs> there's good and bad to it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And I don't know, like I, that was never my intention. Never my intention was to be famous on, on social media. It's I'm doing something that I love uh, and I have a good time with it. And I think people are attracted to when you're, when you're authentic and uh, you're passionate about something, you know, whether it's financial planning, whether it's nursing and being incredibly funny and kind hearted, you know, whatever it is, it, people are attracted to that. That's why reality TV is such a big deal. Is that <laughs> and I guess we all got to get a, a thicker real. skin because my, my oh, most yeah. negative was, um, it was one of our first ones we did was this video made me yawn. 
And we like we crawl. You're crawl like that's like in this day and age that that's nothing compared to what you guys probably right. see on yours. But I was, I was like, oh, I spent like four hours on this video on estate planning, and he, and the response one of like the ten thousand were like, this video made me on, and it was on estate planning, like. It was pretty boring. It was on so, estate planning and it made him yawn? I can't believe it. It was, yeah, like, it's kind of supposed to do that. You know I, my I, mind is like, blown that anyone would be bored by estate planning. That's absurd. I, I, I know, you but you know. about my routine. It's usually estate planning and my downtime. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, you know, get it. Britannica. Yeah, we got to get a thicker skin sometimes. And I learned that very early on. That, and then it's gotten far worse since then. So that was like a kind negative. <laughs> poor Lauren, poor, poor his wife, Lauren, like on date night. Lauren's like, you want to go to a movie? Movie, Matt's like, let's talk about estate planning. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> I mean, right. it's not a big deal until it's a big deal. And then it's a really big so, deal. So, so from, from so true. true. So from an entrepreneur it's standpoint, so, so Matt, I know that you and I were talking about this. Um, <laughs> and you know, from an entrepreneur standpoint, you know, you, you've been able to do some really cool things with with all of the between the book and and all this kind of stuff. Um, I asked I asked it for, from a perspective of, did you see yourself doing this? But you're kind of, in some ways, you're a really cool mixture of a public servant and also an entrepreneur because you're, you have some business, um, connections to these different things with the book. And I know you're a very charitable person. I know like, um, you're, you're very big on children's charity. I'm very big on St. Jude's. Um, I, you know, make sure that I, you know, get money donated to that. And I've seen you and I, I forgot it's called, uh, coins, um, coins for cure. Sorry about that. I don't know if you know this, Mark, but in my past, I was a, a pediatric ICU nurse and I was a pediatric oncology nurse. That's what I did. And then mm-hmm. I was a trauma nurse and the ER nurse. So I'm very passionate about those things. Um, you know, if you were to give advice to people, so I'm a teacher or I'm a, a police officer or I'm a secretary or I'm a manager of a, of a grocery store or whatever. And, and they, and they have interest and passion in different things, whether it's writing or social media or whatever, um, or merchandise or art. What's something that you've learned as a businessman? Because you're also a businessman, you know. Um, what are some things that you've learned that you'd tell people as far as you know, branching out and doing some different things and opening themselves up to other opportunities? Do you have any? Yeah, I, w- I would. So <laughs> go, there's this movie, and it's not a very good movie. And I'm sorry if any of the producers or whatever. I think it's well known that it's not a good movie, but it's called Gattaca. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It is it's not like a good movie. I it's agree. Not a good movie. But there is something in that. It's like this, you know, future where it's all the children are planned. And so you have these test tube babies who have the best qualities. And then every once in <laughs> the terminology just cracks me up. Every once in a while you have a love baby, right? Where just two people just love each other. They come together and they have, but usually genetically they're, they're not as equipped, but these two brothers, one's a genetic phenom and the other is just a love baby, Right. Um, they're in competition their whole life. And this, the one brother that's not genetically, um, predisposed to be excellent, you know, beats his brother in a swimming match this one time, right in the ocean. And it frustrates the genetically perfect sibling. He's like, how did you do that? He said, cause you were planning for the swim back. He said, I didn't care if it, if I died to beat you. I was going to swim as far as it took out to win. And that's what I think the mindset in whatever you do. And this is, this is me. <laughs> um, and I get criticized for it sometimes, but I, I think it's, it's my job to go full. I hurt myself all the time. Right. I, I just, I think I tore my, my knee again. 
right? Um, torn bicep, torn Achilles is you give yourself with all of your heart to whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and you don't let any kind of obstacle or distraction stop you. And that's, it's easy to say, but it's one of those that it's the daily disciplines of getting up and outworking people and being willing to do what other people won't do. Like I doubt in, in financial planning, Matt, that you just go and, and check some boxes and do exactly what you're told is you're trying to be creative and be the best financial planner that you can be. Or be a student of your craft. Yeah, I don't work out, you know, I, I, maybe the workout part of it is not there, but to be a student of the craft is to constantly continue wanting to learn, trying to get better. And a mine was probably more mental than it is physical. Whereas if I was in your shoes, it might be more physical and also very mental as well with, with your line of work, but totally agree with you being a student of your craft, you have to have the yeah. passion, the drive inside of you. Well, and I think Mark, yeah. Mark, you said, you said something, if I can just jump on that, cause it's, it's something that I wouldn't call it a pet peeve, but it's something that I notice a lot is sometimes like I'll do like a TikTok or a social media post. And, you know, I speak for a living. So some, I, you know, under pre COVID experiences, I've spoken in front of as many as like 8,000 people in an audience. And whenever, whenever I say something like, you know, try to experience gratitude more in your life, my least favorite response is, well, that's easy, easier said than done. And my response to that always is, of course, it's easier said than done. Become a billionaire. I just said it. Of course, it's it's common sense. So like when somebody says it, I'm like, thank you for telling me something I already know. The, the point is the fact that it's easier to say doesn't make it less valuable to do. <laughs> and, and, and you still... It's so funny that people think of overnight sensations. You know, they see some singer, right? And they're an overnight sensation. They didn't, they didn't notice the, the, the singing classes. They don't know about the bad bars, you know, nights that they had to sing at a karaoke or whatever. You're, you're in martial arts. My son, my 12 year old, he's a black belt. He's going to be a second degree black belt in Shotokan probably this year. Matt's young son is, is about to be a black belt this year as well. And, you know, it's like, I see this 12 year old as a black belt, but people don't realize he started when he was four, four, and they miss the days of crying and him trying to break the board and being scared to do it. Now it just looks like, oh, easier. I'm a black belt. Easier said than done. No, it is easy to say it's hard to do, but it's doing the hard things, I think is what you're saying. And I, I love I love that. Just to push through, like you, you're a fan of Jocko Willink. So, you know, you see him post his Instagrams 4.30 in the morning, getting up to work out. Yeah. It's easy to say to get up at 4.30 in the morning. It is hard to do. That's what makes it valuable. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know if Jocko has a sense of humor though, because on some of those he'll post it and it says 4.32. And I'm like, what up Jocko? Slacking. And he never responds to me. And I don't, I don't understand he is, why. I, I, what, can you help me with, I'm terrible with names. Do you, uh, there's the, uh, the, the Navy SEAL that was, um, which it's a heartbreaking story. Mark Wahlberg played him in a movie. Marcus Luttrell. Marcus Luttrell. Yep. I, I saw him at a conference and I don't think he was awesome. I huh. don't think I've ever been more physically intimidated by a human being in my entire, and I'm no big, I'm five, nine. I'm not a big guy. He's not only huge, he's intense. He <laughs> yeah, is yeah. like, like just intense. He's an amazing. And that's how Jocko a, is too, right? Jocko. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love, I listen to Jocko's yes. stuff. I love yeah. Jocko. So I, I just, you know, you, you talked real quick as we start to wrap up, you know, you talked about the idea about therapy dogs and it, it occurred to me that all dogs are therapy dogs. I mean, really, at the end of the day, they bring so much to our lives. I do have, I do have a dumb person question. Can I ask you a dumb person question from me? Yeah, can, I want one more quote though, because you're talking about martial arts, and it, it plays to everything that you're just talking about. And what 
Matt was talking about too is a is a uh, a black belt is just a white belt that never quit. Oh, I was just gonna right? say that you took my oh, total. That is literally such a good one. that. Wait, that is literally in one of my presentations because at Luke's black belt test. A parent showed up with a sign that said a black belt is a white belt that never quit. I, and I, I had anxiety because I, I was like, okay, my son's my son's eight going on nine, and now he's a black belt. What, like, can he beat anybody up? Can he do it? No. He just never quit. That's it. He just never quit, and he showed yeah. progress through the process. There's so much wisdom to that because that, yeah, that so all along – there's a famous judo master that was buried, and he wanted to be buried in his white belt. I, I remember reading the story. It's this really, he said that was the, my most important belt. And he was literally like a so master. Um, you know, I do have a dumb person question though. Okay. Somebody asked me this and then I couldn't answer. Ooh, you know, I have sure. a Doberman. Don't okay. judge. Cause you know, my dog, my dog, and I'll, I'll close up with that. But th somebody said to me, why are Dobermans not police dogs? Cause if you look at the world war one war dog monument, mm -hmm. it is a Doberman. They were used. What, somebody said to me, why don't they use Dobermans as canine police dogs? Somebody yeah. said they do in Europe, but they don't in the States. Is there an answer to that? Yeah, there is. And it goes with Rottweilers as well because um, they're excellent. Both are bred to be excellent police dogs, incredibly intelligent, loyal, uh, teachable. Uh, but they were misused in a lot of the civil rights movements. And so it was the basically the the way it looked. And so they removed Dobermans oh, wow. and Rottweilers from. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I I thought it was because like I have Vader, you know, my Doberman, and uh -huh. Vader. Honestly, the only thing he would bite is a treat. I mean, he's just like, <laughs> you know, the way that I. So that as we wrap up, and and Mark, we're we're so grateful to you for spending this time with us. Um, I encourage everybody, um, if those that watch this on video on YouTube, this is the cover of the book, but the book is My Dog Mattis, available on Amazon. I guarantee you, your kids will love this book. My <laughs> daughter has me read this book to her every day. This is, look at Mark looking sad right there. I love that picture. Um, as we wrap up, um, I want to thank you so much for, for giving us this time. I met Mark because my German Shepherd Rocky passed away and I was struggling emotionally. I was having the hardest time when Rocky died. He was nine years old. Um, I don't think I cried that hard since my father died when I was 22 and I couldn't sleep one night. I was literally laying in bed crying and I was keeping my wife awake and she's so sweet and I wanted her to get some sleep. I get out of bed. I'm sitting on the sofa. I open up TikTok and I start scrolling. And I saw one of your videos with Mattis and initially I, I blew past it. I didn't want to watch it. And then something inside of me said, just watch it. And I feel like it was kind of God talking to me, watch it. So I scrolled back down and I watched it and I bawled my eyes out. Then I went to your page and I like watched every single video you did. And I cried until I literally had no more tears to cry. And I started following you. And actually my wife actually came into the living room and she hears me sobbing and she's like, what are you doing? And I turn my phone around and it's you and Mattis. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, don't watch that. And I go, no, I watched the whole thing. And I just want to thank you because I don't know, I've said it to you before and I'm trying not to get emotional saying it to you again, but I don't know how to put into words. That was the only thing that got me through that loss. And it was just it reminded me of all the good stuff. It reminded me of the funny things that Rocky did and how smart he was and how he would look at me and know exactly to put his paw on me. And it, and it got me just to be able to work through some of the stages of grief. And I, I 
am a total stranger to you. I mean, we were talking now, but I, I said to my wife how powerful spirit is that I would be led to watch this video of this canine officer goofing around with his dog. And little did I know that that was going to be, that was God just helping me kind of get through this. And I, I honestly, in a million years, lifetimes could never thank you enough for that. And I know that's super personal between you and I, but I want to thank you for that because I can only imagine how your content and your positivity and your heart, how it's probably helped a lot more people than you realize. And that reminds me of another quote that I came across that I wanted to share. And it was this, some people spend an entire lifetime wondering if they made a difference in the world, but the Marines don't have that problem. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> so um, yeah. I just wanted to give you that shout out. Thank you, Mark, so much for what you do. This this podcast has meant a lot to me personally. And Matt, I know you're excited to talk to Mark too. I'm going to end with asking you this. What do you want your legacy to be? When, when people 50 years from now, 60 years from now, say your name or remember you or look at a video of you, what would you hope your legacy to be? I, and I'm kind of still a little emotional from what you said. So thank you very much. That means so much to me. Um, and it kind of leads into what I want people to uh, to think about me is that the littlest decisions and littlest things that you do on a daily basis can make an impact on someone's life for the worse or the better. And so it's being intentional with those those interactions that you have with people and trying to make someone else's life better to leave a like like you said is think about that legacy randy alcorn um wrote a book and one of the things that in the book he says what will people say at your funeral and so it's living every day uh with the intention of what what do i want people to remember about me and if they were remember that he brought people together um that he gave his all to what he loved uh that he was a good dad and a good father um i think that I'm living my purpose, which in my eyes is that I'm, I'm a good reflection of Jesus and trying to be more like him every day. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And the way that he lived was one of, of service, um, of to the sick and to the brokenhearted and to the, and that's what I want my life to, to look like is, is that I I'm serving and I'm compassionate and I'm meeting people where they are. You know, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And it reminds me of a paraphrase of Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So Mark, thank you oh, for, for Mark, joining thank us. Thank you. I appreciate thank it. You, so stay you, with us for you. a second. Awesome. Thank you to yeah. everybody. And it sounds like Mattis wants to uh, end this podcast too. Uh, he is, uh, I think, ready Mattis. to go play Come ball. So I yeah, we want to see Mattis. I got to see Mattis. Oh my oh, God. He just my AirPod out. <laughs> He's so beautiful. Oh, he knocked oh, him down. Awesome. He knocked him down. Hey, listen, on behalf of all of us here at Above Board with Canderpath, a special thank you to Mark Tappen and K9 Mattis briefly for joining us for this podcast. For all of you listening, please like and share. We are so grateful for you. We hope that your day is blessed and wonderful. Make sure that in your life, in your journey, and everything that you're trying to do, try to find your why, try to find your purpose, and make sure that you realize and you're looking for opportunities to serve and all that you do. You make a difference. You are awesome. You are a gift to this world. Thank you so much for joining us on Above Board with Candor Path. Until the next time, peace. <laughs>